And I'll be reading all of uh, Psalm 104. Listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. Who makes the clouds his chariots. Who walks on the wings of the wind. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundation of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys that flow they flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the, from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees, the high hills are for the wild goats, the the cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knows it's going down, you make darkness and it is night, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey, and they seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea, in which all are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great, There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to Him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this His holy word. O Lord God in heaven, we again praise you and thank you that we have this opportunity to study your word. And as we consider this particular topic uh, this evening regarding creation, we just pray that you would help us to see and understand the true uh, wisdom and the glory that is revealed in the creation, but yet how it also calls us to uh, glorify glorify you and honor you as the one true living God, as the creator of all things. And so we just pray now for your blessing upon our uh, time together. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
So why are we here? And how did we get here? And who are we? Well, these are common ultimate questions that people can ponder and seek answers uh, to, and they look to a variety of places to find those answers. But certainly God's Word, the Bible, gives us, mostly it gives us, uh, straightforward answers to these questions, uh, even right in the very first chapters of the Bible. And I say mostly because even what we find in Genesis and throughout the rest of Scripture uh, about the creation of the earth and the creation of mankind. Well, there's still much that we don't understand uh, simply because it hasn't been revealed to us or because it's beyond our comprehension as uh, finite human beings. But as we consider these verses in Psalm 104, we realize one unmistakable truth, that God created the heavens and the earth And everything in them is for his own glory. And so we begin with this important question. Why are we here? Why does the world exist? Why do we exist as humans? Well again the simple straightforward answer is for the glory of God. After recounting all that God has created and The manifold wisdom of God displayed in creation. The psalmist here points to this purpose in verse 31 saying, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. And this meditation on the wonders of God's creation elicits this God-glorifying response then in verse 33. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my my being. So there's the the glory, the acknowledgement of the glory of God, and then the response is to sing praise uh, to God and to glorify Him. The psalmist praises, glorifies God, because this is truly the purpose, His purpose, our purpose, and indeed the purpose of all creation. And so first we note that this is the purpose of all creation, to glorify God, because... God is the Creator. And this great truth is set forth boldly and unashamedly in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, many may disagree with this assertion. uh, Even many who claim the name of Christ. Yet it can't be denied that this is what the Scriptures clearly teach. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And as the Creator, well, God then certainly has the right to set the purpose of His creation and, and set the purpose of, uh, yeah, of all that He has created. The Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter 4, paragraph 1, notes this purpose as to why God created all things. It pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost for the manifestation of the glory of His eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. A few things to consider here. First, the creation was a Trinitarian effort. And each person of the Godhead was involved in creation. In the beginning was God, God the Father. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then in verse 3, we have the Son. 
that is represented by the spoken word of God. And it, we read, then God said. And of course, to make this connection, we jump to uh, the beginning of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so here we see that the Word of God, God speaking, let there be, or then God said, that is the Word of God present at creation. Well then, of course, we in John 1, when we jump down to verse 14, the Word of God became flesh. And dwelt among us. And so there is speaking clearly of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, yes, the Son of God, the pre incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, was active in the creation of all things. And we saw this, we read this uh, in Colossians 1 as well. Also, uh, the writer to the Hebrews notes this in Hebrews 1, verse 2. That he has in these, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So there's the word again whom He has appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the worlds. And so there we see the role of the Son at creation. And so we confess that all Christ, the Son of God, did was for the glory of God the Father. Creation being one of the greater great works of the triune God, well then it certainly brings Him glory. We'll also consider that the purpose of God's creating all things was first an act of God's own free will and pleasure. In other words, God didn't have to create the heavens and the earth. And He certainly didn't have to create mankind. But God freely chose to do so in order to magnify His glory. So that all creation then truly glorifies Him. And that it is through the creation that God reveals and displays His glorious power. In Jeremiah 10, verse 12, He has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at His discretion. So God's power is displayed in the creation. And we acknowledge that and we give glory to Him for that. His wisdom is displayed. Uh, as we sang and read in Psalm 104, O Lord, how manifold are your works in wisdom. You have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. So God's wisdom is on display throughout the creation. And that glorifies Him. And also His goodness. Psalm 33, verse 5, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of of the goodness of God. And we can look around all the time and see the goodness of God in the creation all around us. And because God has so clearly revealed Himself in His power and His wisdom and His goodness, and that His glory has been revealed, well then this purpose of glorifying Him, uh, this purpose that we have of, of glorifying Him through all He's created, this renders all of mankind as being without excuse before Him. That is, no one can deny that they never had the opportunity to know God and to know God exists because He clearly, clearly has revealed Himself through His creation. And Paul says in Romans 1 verse 20, for since the creation of the world has... Uh, uh, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's, no one can claim ignorance 
when it comes to whether God exists. He clearly does. He has revealed Himself. Now, of course, as Paul goes on to describe in Romans 1, uh, the key problem is because of sin, sinful man suppresses that truth and exchanges it for a lie. But the truth is still there. And they can't ultimately deny it. And so on the last day, they will be held accountable for that and be found without excuse. So God created all things to glorify Him, and all things do ultimately glorify and magnify His name. And even, again, the creation, the, uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. And so this is the purpose of our being here. This is the purpose of all creation. Uh, why God created everything was to glorify Him. And again, as we know, Sin then came into the world, and sin distorts this purpose. And yet, the purpose still remains. It is still why we all were created, is to glorify God. Well, how did God then create all things? Again, the confession summarizes the how question, saying that it pleased God in the beginning to create or make of nothing the world and all things therein whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. We note here that God created all things out of nothing. That is the ex nihilo. And as God used no pre-existing material to create, since God alone was the only thing that was pre-existent. He was the only being, and the only, um, not that God is matter, He's a, is a spirit, but He was the only thing that was existent. It was nothing but God. And He spoke and it came to be. And again, when you read through Genesis 1, God said, let there be, and it was so. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be creatures, there were creatures. Let the land separate, there, the land separated. Let there, the firmament be, uh, firmament be separated. And that is exactly what happened. And of course, Psalm 33 verse 6 confirms this saying, that by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And so again, God spoke, and all these were all this around us was created. We also see that God created not only what is seen, uh, what we can see in the creation, but even what is unseen. And those things which are unseen or invisible most likely refers here to the angels and the spiritual powers and principalities. Uh, Paul states in Colossians 1 verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And so God created the angels. We don't see the angels but they're beings that God created. Another important a phrase that we need to consider is that God accomplished this all in the space of six days. Now it's clear that the writers of the confession understood a day to mean a literal 24-hour day. And again, we find this in the biblical account of creation, that there was evening and morning the first day, the evening and morning the second day, evening and morning the third day, and so on. Now, many again tried to reinterpret these days, 
and uh, speak of God, of a, maybe a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, that there was a, a long, long period of time uh, between that um, between those two verses, or they may say that the days were actually long periods of time. Right? Instead of literal 24-hour days, that they were maybe a couple thousand years or even millions of years. Now, some of these arguments can be set forth, and, um, and yet, when they're pressed, they all ultimately read more into the Scripture than what is there. Because the very plain reading of the text can't be escaped, escaped that it is six literal days that uh, God has spoken. And of course the great wonder in, on all this is that God who can do anything, well he could have easily created all things instantaneously. But he didn't. He spread it out over six days. And so time is of no matter to God. He worked it out over six days, again, morning and evening. And indeed, this is a, a chief tenet of, the, of our faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And again, that's that ex nihilo um, creation, that all things were created out of nothing. God spoke and everything came to be. And again, so we believe and confess that God created the heavens and the earth in the space of six days because that is exactly what the scriptures reveal to us. And because God is creator of all things, well then he surely is sovereign and all-powerful to do with his creation as he pleases. And God is worshipped, even in the heavenly realm, as the sovereign creator of all things. Uh, Revelation 4, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so God is worshipped and acknowledged as the creator of all things, even by those heavenly, the heavenly host. As creator God is truly then in control of all things. He's in control of, of the elements, and he's in control of... Uh, All that happens, and we considered that a couple weeks ago. He's in control of judgment as well as the many blessings that are poured out upon both the just and the unjust. Jesus says in Matthew 5 that he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And then also in Psalm 104, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. So God is in control of the seasons. He appointed the moon and the sun and the stars to control the seasons. All creation then and all creatures, we must acknowledge, are under God's sovereign rule because He is the Creator. Well, God created all things. Again, that's how we got here. God, uh, All that God has created is to bring glory to Him. That's why we're here. But who are we? Specifically, who are we as humans, mankind? Well, part of God's creative activity was, of course, to create living creatures. He uh, first created the, uh, the realms in which they would live, in the sky, in the sea, in the land, and then He filled them with a variety of creatures that were distinct from the created world. 
the heavens and the earth. First he made all the animals after their kind, fish, birds, cattle, and creeping things all over the earth. But then God created a special and a unique creature. In Genesis 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is what the confession says about the creation of mankind. Uh, Chapter 4, paragraph 2. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness, after his own image, having the law of God written in their hearts, and power to fulfill it, and yet under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject unto change. Besides this law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which while they kept, they were happy in their communion with God, and had dominion over the creatures. And so here the uniqueness of mankind resides in the very fact that mankind alone has been, create, has been created in the image of God. No other creature, no, not even the angels, shares this worthy distinction. Now the image of God and mankind is often, we often determine what that is. doesn't mean that we physically look like God, uh, but it has more to do with how we resemble uh, God's attributes. And, uh, and so we look at, to determine what that image is, we often look at what is redeemed for us and regained for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so things like true knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. Colossians 3, verse 10, And I put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So, true knowledge. And that again includes that reasonable soul. Ephesians 4, Paul says that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so part of that image of God was that we were truly righteous and we were holy and set apart uh, unto God. Mankind was also uniquely charged uh, to have dominion over the rest of creation. In Genesis 1, verse 28, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This dominion, of course, was lost with uh, with the fall, and all the earth then fell into the grip of Satan. And so as we are redeemed then, we are called to reclaim then what was once lost. One other unique aspect of uh, mankind is that uh, he alone has a reasonable and, and immortal soul. Creatures have life through their uh, physical bodies, but man is both body and soul. Again, Genesis 2, verse 7, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. A man became a living being. And so this is who we are. Uh, Unique creatures created by God, created after his image. And though this image, of course, was greatly marred by sin entering into the world, we know that it still remains in all humanity, not just in us. 
excuse me, but that all humanity is created in, in the image of God. And so this then is one of the chief reasons that gives mankind great value and worth and why the life of a man is to be placed higher than the lives of animals and other creatures because mankind alone was created in the image of God. That gives us, right at the, get, uh, the start, it gives us value and worth over all the rest of the cre- uh, creatures. Now this understanding of mankind as uniquely created, uh, as a uniquely created being, of course, has been under attack for, well, really since the beginning, um, but especially over the last uh, couple hundred years or so. And of course, the main attackers are the proponents of the theory of, of evolution. And what's interesting, though, is that even though the authors of the Westminster Confession uh, knew nothing about evolution, their statement in, uh, that we read earlier in uh, chapter 4, paragraph 2, clearly refutes the basic teaching of evolution. And the RP testimony uh, tells us that the theory of evolution assumes that chance happenings are an explanation of the origin and development of matter and living things, that this is unscriptural. And God created various kinds of living forms with tremendous potential for variation. The increase of varieties which has occurred is within genetic limitations provided at creation. And so then it goes on, the testimony goes on to deny that man evolved from any lower life form. And also uh, that all theories of continuing creation are then to be rejected. Since we read in Genesis 2, verse 2, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done, that work being the work of creation. And so there's not a continuing creation that's going on. God did it once at the beginning, and now it's done. <clears throat> well, this understanding has been affirmed with the basic thrust of the affirmation being that if we reject the unique uh, creation of Adam, and again we looked at this a little bit in Bible study last week, that if we reject the unique creation of Adam as a, uh, as a particular being, a unique being, well then ultimately we must reject Jesus Christ who came as the second Adam. And so there's great danger when we begin messing with the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2, and we begin messing with whether uh, Adam is an actual historical figure or not. Our, uh, really, the uh, whole of our faith uh, is built upon, uh, upon that truth that we find in those early chapters of the book of Genesis. Well, the godlessness and purposelessness of evolution we know, of course, has wreaked havoc on our society. Right? One of the uh, evidences of that uh, teaching being so ingrained through uh, various education means is the value of human life uh, over time has been greatly diminished. And especially this includes life in the womb. Uh, preborn children are viewed not only as a clump of cells. That was kind of the old... Uh, early days, they deny that it was a person. It was just, well, it's just a clump of cells. Well, now, the uh, more recent language has gotten even more dehumanizing, if you can imagine that. And uh, and sometimes uh, people will refer uh, to these children growing in the womb as parasites uh, that uh, are unwelcome and need to be gotten rid of. 
Well, it's also evident, of course, this uh, uh, lack of value for human life is evident in the movement of acceptance of euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide, again, which is common uh, in our day and has even become legal in, in several, uh, several states. Of course, when it's ingrained into your mind through the education system that you just randomly evolved without any indication of purpose or meaning in life, uh, to be who you are, well, then it's no wonder that there's no respect for human life. And there's also no wonder that there's uh, people who struggle with a uh, sense of meaning or purpose because they've been told that they have no purpose, they have no meaning, because they're just a product of random chance and a, a mixture of various chemicals. But, of course, we know and confess and believe that God created mankind as a unique creature with the purpose to serve and glorify Him. Well, another important point that we should clarify, and especially today, is the fact that God created mankind, both male and female, and that both are, are created in God's image. Again, the testimony uh, says this, that God created man and woman as His image bearers to complement one another. And Scripture describes the responsibilities of each and their proper relationships to one another. Distinction between the sexes do not imply superiority or inferiority of persons. Family life and social order become disrupted when these distinctions are confused or ignored. And again, we're seeing the results of that uh, all over the place in our day. Well, by this, the testimony affirms the biblical teaching that men and women are created for distinct purpose according to God's purpose and design. And there are only two genders, not 57 or whatever the number current number is. There's just male and female. And then each are created in the image of God. That they were created for one another and they were uh, each created for a particular purpose and ultimately designed to fulfill that purpose. For example, we think about... Uh, how men are typically uh, have, uh, uh, the, the strength and the, the muscle tone uh, for for labor and doing work, and of course there's women's ability to uh, to bear children, which men do not have. Men cannot bear children. Shocking that we have to make that affirm that claim today, <clears throat> so that we then, of course, confess and believe that we are ultimately created. We are these unique creatures created by God, created by the wisdom and the power of God, along with the heavens and the earth and everything in them, and that all creation reveals the glory of God. But the special creature which God created, mankind, has set the, has a particular purpose to glorify God, but also not just to glorify God, but also to enjoy Him forever. Part of our being uniquely created in the image of God is that we can have a, a true, real, intimate relationship with our Creator. And again, that was lost at creation. It has been restored through the Lord Jesus Christ alone so that we can not only fulfill the purpose to glorify God, but we have that purpose also to enjoy Him forever. And again, we best fulfill that purpose through faith in Jesus Christ and seeking to serve Him and glorify Him in all that we do. And so these are the, the ultimate questions that we face regarding our creation 
and we rejoice and give thanks that God has been so ple- was so pleased uh, to create us uh, in such a way that we would have this purpose, not only the purpose uh, giving us purpose in life, but enabling us to have that relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you for the truth that we've considered this evening, that you created all things, and that you uniquely created mankind after your image uh, to serve you, to glorify your holy name, but also to have this relationship with you. And when that relationship was, was lost, we rejoice and give thanks that you were most gracious and desired to restore that relationship And then in time you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do just that. That through Christ alone we can have peace and reconciliation with you because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And so we're mindful of these things and we rejoice and give thanks to you, Lord, for the wonders of the creation all around us. We give thanks to you for how you have so wonderfully and amazingly created us. And even in our own day when there is so much confusion and corruption of these ideas, uh, we pray that you would help us to stand firm as we consider this morning, to stand firm in the truth, and that we would always remain faithful to your word, and that we would not uh, compromise on these points, but that we would always seek to give glory and honor and praise to your name, because that is exactly why you created us. And so we praise you and thank you, Lord, for these things. Again, we thank you for this, the Lord's Day. We thank you for our time to be able to gather together and worship. And we pray that as we go about our usual activities this week, that we might truly look forward to glorifying you in all that we do, that you would give us the grace sufficient to get through each day and to uh, be faithful witnesses as we go forth into the world and into this community. And we just pray that you would be pleased to draw others to yourself through our witness, all to the praise and glory of your holy name. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.